electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the keynote by CNBC Events. I'm Tyler Matheson. On this podcast, we bring you in-depth, candid conversations with executives, experts, and thought leaders. Today, a conversation about cryptocurrency and how financial advisors can introduce clients to this asset class. You'll hear from two members of CNBC's Financial Advisor Council, Delancey Wealth Management founder Ivory Johnson and Bonafide Wealth President Doug Bonaparte who spoke at CNBC's Financial Advisor Summit on December 8, 2021. They joined my colleague Deidre Boza, co-anchor of CNBC's Tech Check, to discuss the risks and rewards of crypto investing and how they're incorporating digital currencies into their clients' portfolios. Here's their conversation. You guys are such a dynamic pairing because you have very different clienteles. On one side, Ivory, you have to actually convince some of your clients that this may be a wise, smart opportunity, part of their portfolios, whereas Douglas, you don't really need to have to do any convincing. Douglas, why don't we start with you and what you're hearing from your clientele? You're right. I I don't have uh, too much difficulty, uh, I guess, relative to other um, advisors in in the industry when it comes to introducing the concepts or educating around cryptocurrency and digital assets. I primarily focus on clients that are uh, between the age of 28 and 42. So, you know, four years ago, maybe one in 10 uh, clients or prospects coming in the door uh, wanting to learn more uh, about digital assets and cryptocurrency today in just four years' time. I feel like it's closer to 50%. So five out of 10 coming in the door already with exposure, wanting to learn more with an appetite. So I guess from that regard, I have it fairly easy, but there's still a ton of education that needs to be done for the other 50%. And maybe Ivory uh, sees a little things a little bit differently here. Yeah, Ivory, I would love to hear what your experience has been because you have a typically older clientele that may be a little bit more wary of getting into cryptocurrency, more attuned to the risks of it. Yeah, wary is actually a, a pretty good word in this respect. Uh, I'm not surprised that advisors think of it as risky. Bitcoin is really eight times as volatile as the S&P 500. And so uh, it doesn't surprise me at all. My clients, when they see Bitcoin in their portfolio, are a little bit surprised. I have discretion. And when I bought it in, in, in March of last year, I had a client call me up and go, what is this Bitcoin stuff? I'm, I'm paraphrasing, of course, in my portfolio. Um, lo and behold, six months later, he calls me up and he says, well, what do you think about Ripple? And so anytime you have 65-year-old men from Long Island calling you up and talking to you about Ripple, what that tells you is they're having conversations like this with all of their friends. And so it behooves advisors, even if they don't support Bitcoin or they're afraid of Bitcoin to at least be educated about it so they can have that conversation Mm -hmm. with their clients. Right. And in that sense, Ivory, kind of Bitcoin is the gateway into other cryptocurrencies. And Douglas, has your experience sort of been the same? And um, I know Bitcoin was sort of the biggest word in that word cloud. But are you looking at other cryptocurrencies for your clientele? 
Yeah, nine out of 10 times you're hearing Bitcoin or Ethereum. Um, you're hearing some other altcoins in the conversation as well. But I'm talking about serious professionals who want legitimate exposure to the asset class. And they're primarily focusing on the two uh, biggest market caps, yeah. Bitcoin, Ethereum. Um, but I'm never really surprised to see someone come in the door, um, having done very well with something I maybe have never even heard of, and I'm well versed in this space, or something I, I have heard on the fringes. So you need, you need to be educated really about the entire universe here. You don't have to spend all your time I'm learning about everything under the sun, but there are essential things that if look, if you're interested in growing your practice yeah. over the next 10 to 20 years and you're not educating yourself, even if you don't agree, um, you're probably going to find yourself struggling to grow in, in certain areas or with certain clients. So this is only going to pick up in terms of the demand. Right. And Ivory, for clients that maybe come to you and don't have any exposure or know much about the space, where do you start? How do you tell them that crypto should sort of function as a wider portfolio? Well, you know, Bitcoin and all the other uh, cryptocurrencies are really a non-correlated asset. And so when you start to put together a portfolio, you use the same traditional means that you do um, with other asset classes. What's their time horizon? What's their risk tolerance? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and when are they going to, to retire? And so it's easier for me to have that conversation, particularly if I can explain that blockchain is a business tool, uh, digital assets or crypto, crypto assets are an investment. And so the way I do that is say, well, imagine if you put a dollar into a vending machine and you get a Snickers bar out. Well, there's no middleman, right? You just press C, you press a button and the sticker bars comes out. There's no middleman, it happens automatically. Well, that, that's just, that's blockchain. Uh, crypto is short for cryptography, which means that that's how you hide data. So instead of being John Doe, uh, you become a string of 32 characters known as a hash. And so once you start taking away some of the terminology and breaking it down for them, and they understand what place it plays in their portfolio, they tend to be much more comfortable, particularly when you're using the traditional asset allocation models that you use with every other thing in the portfolio. Right now, one word that I actually didn't see come up, with, which is the first word that I thought of when it comes to cryptocurrencies, is volatile. And Ivory, just quick to you before I go to Douglas on this, when you talk about time frames, what is that time horizon you tell clients that they need to sort of be looking at for cryptos? Well, obviously, the more volatile an asset class, the longer the time frame that you want. But, you know, when, when you speak about volatility, here's an interesting fun fact. Ivanek did a study last year. And in 2020, 30% of the S&P 500 companies were more volatile than Bitcoin. And even if you backtest it, the Digital Asset Council of Financial Professionals did, did, did some research funded by, um, by Bitwise, and they found out that if you put Bitcoin in a portfolio, you increase your sharp ratio by 10%, not to 10%, but by 10%, with no meaningful increase in standard deviation and no meaningful decline in, in, in the max drawdown. So adding Bitcoin in small amounts or even modest amounts really don't have that big of an impact on your portfolio over the long term. That's really fascinating. Douglas, you may have sort of a different problem when you have a younger clientele coming in who may have bought Dogecoin and saw these really quick returns. What do you tell your clients who maybe, as you said, have made a killing on some of these other cryptos that you haven't even heard of? How should they be looking at this? from a long-term perspective as part of their portfolio that they're going to be holding on to for 10 or 20 or 30 years. Sure. So when it comes to some of your more alternative coins and someone who's maybe made a killing, I always like to frame this in the context of what their goals are. Anytime you do well in an asset, whether it's cryptocurrency or a specific stock, and you have the ability to change your life for the better, really change the game and execute on big, 
goals that you have, whether it's buying a house, starting a family, or a business, you might want to think very carefully about, uh, carefully about doing that. These are the opportunities that are presented. So, you know, I, I try not to um, get on anyone for owning a particular type of crypto, despite my own biases. I think there is a big difference between speculating and investing. Um, I know a lot of people would argue that this is all speculation. I would strongly push back on that. I think you're looking at something that will clearly um, be revolutionary uh, when we think about not just financial assets, um, but also just the way that we do business. But without having to go down that road, you always want to frame anyone's win or anyone's financial situation in the context of their goals. So the, um, you know, the things we do as financial planners and financial advisors for our clients don't change because we have a new asset class that has emerged mm -hmm. and now has a demand around that. You got to still stick to the very things that help your clients get to the goals that they have for themselves. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Right now, let's talk about sort of how you guys are giving your clients exposure to Bitcoin. I mean, on CNBC, we've been talking about the many different platforms. We even talked about the Bitcoin futures ETF, which some say, why would you own that when you can just own the underlying asset? Uh, Ivory, how do, you how do you give your clients exposure to cryptocurrency? So in March of, of last year, I bought the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust. Um, it, it's, it's sort of a clumsy approach. Uh, it's, it's done well uh, over the last uh, nine months, 12 months. I, I wish I could say I, I forecasted that growth. And we all know that past performance is no guarantee uh, of future returns. But that's how I purchased it. Um, I, I switched broker dealers uh, recently so I can get access to the actual coin. I'm with uh, Vanderbilt Securities. And we're actually beta testing a platform with um, OnRamp Invest, which is going to give me access to any coin that's available on Gemini. They just came out with a third party with a, with a separately managed account. And, and the reason that's important is because the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust is, it, it operates a little bit like a closed-end trust. Where it's not a point-to-point -point Bitcoin investment, whereas the underlying, the underlying investment is, is going to draw demand. And so the, the, the supply and demand for the shares will determine what the price is. It often trades at a premium or a discount, hmm. and there's a 2% expense ratio. So there may be more efficient ways to do it. I know they've come out with a, a Bitcoin ETF that, that uses futures contracts. And so if you think of a future contract as a, a contract to buy something at a specific price before a certain date, 
very much like a parking meter, the more time you have on that, that contract, the more valuable it is. And so what happens is they have to sell the, 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 the contracts that are coming up to expiration and buy the longer term uh, contracts. And so there's a rolling over effect because you have to sell something that's worth less and buy something that, that costs mm -hmm. more. So you're also going to have a certain a bit of a drag. And so that's the way I've been buying it uh, for my clients. So far, it's been, it's been successful. Uh, and I look forward to having more efficient ways to do it in the future. Okay, Douglas, same question to you. And, you know, it may also occur to some of your clients. There's so many different platforms in which you can actually hold Bitcoin in your digital wallet or Ethereum. Why go through a financial advisor who may not necessarily get direct asset to direct exposure to the underlying asset? Um, and how, how, do you, how do you make that case and how do you do it for your clients? Sure. So most of my clients are doing this uh, on their own through respective exchanges, whether it be Coinbase or Gemini or, or whatever it is that they're most comfortable with. They, they want to hold the asset itself. They want to self-custody. They're comfortable with that. Now, as a financial advisor who wants to offer this to clients as part of the investment management that I do, this is really where I'm lacking. And I'm comfortable sharing that with you because it's, it's really a point of frustration on, on multiple fronts. The first is, do I have a product that I, I want to use? And, and the one I would prefer to use is a Bitcoin ETF that is actually a spot Bitcoin ETF, meaning it mm -hmm. does track the price of Bitcoin. That, that would be the easiest way and the most logical way for 99% of retail investors to go about doing this who want that kind of exposure. Fortunately for me, I have clients that are comfortable owning Bitcoin on their own. But then there's the other considerations that we financial advisors have to deal with. So before you say, hey, fire a financial advisor if they're not recommending Bitcoin, well, pump the brakes on that. Not that my clients need to know how the sausage is made, but advisors are going to say, hey, does my ENO mm -hmm. cover this? Does my custodian support a product? What's this look like operationally and administratively? Does this scale well? So if you're a $100 million firm, I know that sounds like a lot of money under management. It's a drop in the bucket compared to a billion dollar under management firms, which is also a drop in the bucket compared to the entire landscape. <laughs> but they might have the scale or the risk appetite to be able to offer this to their clients. And the good part or the saving grace here is that we're all playing around in this digital asset sandbox and new tools and new infrastructure is being built. Ivory mentioned OnRamp is doing a great job of offering solutions to advisors and I commend them for doing that. And I think we're just going to continue to see new infrastructure being built that's going to allow financial advisors to do this. But, you know, again, back to where I'm at, I'd rather educate my clients mm -hmm. on how their exposure to digital assets is something that is uh, how it factors into their overall investment portfolio and financial plan. That's really interesting. So you're telling them to get educated, even buying it, even if you're not necessarily the means to which they're doing that. Uh, Ivory, how much time do you spend talking about the regulatory aspect, outstanding questions, the tax implications that I would think your clientele would be interested in, especially if they're just learning about this space? Yeah, well, it's taxed as property. Um, and so, you know, the, the short term and, and, and long term capital gains apply. Always happens, uh, and, and so, the, 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 the tax implications really aren't that much gotcha. different uh, than what they are now. Advisors need to learn this because it's being adopted at an increasing rate. So there's something mm -hmm. called the Metcalf Law that says that the value of a communications network is the square root of, of uh, proportion to the square root of users. So what do I mean by that? Well, there are 150 million users of the Internet in 1997. Right now, there's over 5 billion. Right now, there's 150 million users of digital assets. And, that's, and it's the fastest adoption in, in, in all of history. 
So I don't know that this is necessarily going away. The regulators are going to catch up, obviously. And I think that's going to add to increasing adoption rate. Uh, and some of those, those that data is being meted out. Grayscale did an investment study that recently came out. One in four investors with more than $10,000 already own Bitcoin. 59% hmm. of them bought it in the last year. So 77% to Doug's point would be more likely to buy it if they had an ETF. Uh, and then only 11% are buying it through their advisors. So I think this is just a function of staying relevant. Whether you put it into a portfolio or not, I think it's doing a disservice to your clients if you're not educated on it. Right. And, and Douglas, when you see these sort of big drops like we did last weekend and earlier this year and, you know, there's talk about is another crypto winter coming. Do you get more calls from your clients or do you feel like, you know, we've been through this and at this for a few years that volatility is now just expected? How do they take those kind of shocking, jarring movements that you can often see with, in cryptocurrencies? Yeah, again, you know, I hate to keep saying I have this luxury of clients who understand this and have been through it. I've personally invested in Bitcoin, have mined it since 2013. So my clients, through their uh, experience with me and, and the newsletters and articles and information that we put out to them, you know, th this is becoming more and more commonplace to them. So they can ride out volatility or they have a really good expectation when it comes to what to expect. But I, I would tell you that if there is a big drawdown or sell off, right, 20, 30 percent, you know, we're all pretty much like, eh, that's what crypto does or that's what Bitcoin does. You know, having lived through two 80 plus percent drawdowns, you know, who cares about 20 percent? But I'll typically get a phone call saying um, either should I add to my position? What do you think about me adding to my position? Educate mm. me around that. Or people who haven't even had exposure say, hey, is this the opportunity to do that? Because they'll hear from their friends or someone who does have exposure probably say to them, hey, you got to go buy this dip over here. So it does result in more calls, but for positive reasons and for, for educational reasons and wanting to learn more. Okay, so yeah, Ivory, really I'm fascinated. What, what has your experience been like, especially with, you know, clients that may not have been in the space for an 80 percent drop and they see 20 or 30 percent over a weekend? You know, I, I really try to focus on the long term the way I would any other asset class. And so if you just look at the macroeconomic case for, you know, for the last 30 years, baby boomers have been putting money in their 401ks. It's a constant demand for stocks. You, you look at the, the pensions, half of baby boomers are expecting a pension. They could save less and, and spend more. And they've also had access to easy credit because we've had an active central bank, right? And so two of those drivers of consumption are actually about to, to decelerate as baby boomers retire. So what do you think the, the natural response will be from our central bank? Do you think they're going to become more hawkish? Probably not. Well, that, that feeds into the narrative of Bitcoin, and, and, and that's the digital scarcity of it. There's only going to be 21 million Bitcoin ever produced. Uh, they've only released 18.5 so far. Four million have been lost because people lost their password. And so since you have this, 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 this store of value, anytime you have a central bank that's increasing our money supply, 20% of our money supply has been created in the last 20 months. And so this isn't going to, to reverse itself, given some of the headwinds that we have, mm -hmm. just demographically. So if you focus on the long term, I think it's a lot easier to understand why it's in the portfolio. That was Ivory Johnson, founder of Delancey Wealth Management, and Doug Bonaparte, CFP and Bonafide Wealth President, speaking at CNBC's Financial Advisors Summit on December 8th, 2021. The keynote is produced by the CNBC Events team. Please rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can visit CNBCEvents.com to learn about upcoming events and how you can join us. I'm Tyler Matheson. Thanks for listening.
This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 